Welcome back to another episode of Unbreakable Me, where rock bottom has built more heroes than privilege ever could. On today's episode, I am going to be interviewing my mum. In today's episode, we will be covering the part of my story that delves into my eating disorder, hospital admissions, the effects on my family, topics that we will not be discussing at this time, uh, anything related to my dad's passing or my prior drug addictions. These are not topics that mum is currently comfortable speaking public about. So if those are the topics of my story that interest you the most, you'll have to wait for another later episode. But if you are interested in this part of my story and how we got through this as a family, or if you're currently trying to support someone on a journey as a mother or a father or a friend or a sibling, then this episode here may be the one that you need to listen to the most. Okay, so let's dive in. Hey, mum, how are you doing today? Hi, Maddie. Good, thank you. <laughs> so first thing I want you to do is I want you to take us back. I want you to take me and the audience back before the illness, okay? We can get into the nitty-gritty of the illness later, but what was life like from, from your perspective for us as a family prior to me getting unwell? Um, honestly, I think we were... Uh... A very, very normal family. Um, uh, your father had his own printing business. I worked in finance. Uh, both of you girls, uh, my other daughter, Tyler, Maddie's sister, Tyler, uh, both went to uh, private schools. You were extremely busy, very, very involved in uh, sport. So you did surf lifesaving, you did swimming, uh, you uh, played, you're an, actually an, an amazing vi- violinist. So you uh, were involved in music, uh, in fitness. Even at the age of 13, you were attend- going to the gym. So it was really a really normal, extremely busy, and we were extremely happy family. Okay, cool. So I think that's something that some people tend find hard to fathom like if ever if you had such a great upbringing how do people end up in this situation and again today we won't go into how I came about to be ill because if you've listened to my story you know what that trigger was but I just wanted people to hear from you as well that we were just your average family we weren't you know there was no family traumas there was nothing there as a family you know we were you know mother and father sibling all the normal things dog not you know nice house public school that sort of stuff so this type of illness can hit anyone. It's not just, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't um, discriminate way, yeah, from, from whether you're, you know, depending on where you are in your life. So when, let's, let's go a little bit more into like, into after I started to become ill. Like what, when did you first notice that something was really wrong? Like what, at what point did you guys go, all right, this has gone from a teenager that's just worried about like how she looks in the mirror to we've got a serious problem right now. Okay, I suppose right from the very um, start when things started to, I noticed it was um, over the over the school holidays of Christmas, and that particular year we went to uh, away on a family holiday for a week, and then we went down because we lived um, in Brisbane and we went down to the Gold Coast. Uh, We had some very, very close friends that had an apartment down there and um, you and your sister and I went and because your dad was still working. Um, So we had five weeks down there in one of their apartments and they were in the other and uh, we spent five weeks. It was absolutely fabulous, down at the surf club every day. And at the end of use about your reach, go back to school, someone said to you, and I uh, and I heard, um, you know, did you have a great, you know, school holidays? And you said, it was the worst holiday I've ever had. And I remember thinking to myself, 13, I thought, how ungrateful. She's been away over to Tangalurma. For one week, and then down, uh, down at oh, at down on the Gold Coast of Nobbies for five weeks. I'm thinking, yeah. oh my god, are I in for this? What are I in for? <laughs> you know, teenagers. And then 
progress. So, you know, so then progressively probably was, I don't know, it wasn't long after that you really sort of started doing extreme lots of exercise and you'd had started to cut down on like on your food. And one day uh, you were really upset. And so they say to what I remember, we went to the doctors because you had some, you're very, very particular about, you know, your skin and, and stuff. You're very, very particular and a perfectionist mm-hmm. as a, as a child. And you had yeah. these little marks on your face. I look like little sort of little pimples and you were, you know, really upset, but that was obviously just the underlining. I do remember so, that. I ended up having school sores on my face. Yes. Yes. I remember that. And then he, the doctor had asked you a few questions. Is there, is there something else that's upsetting you or something? And out of the blue, he just said, would you like to speak to a counsellor? And I thought to myself, well, you said yes. <laughs> and God, so you know, just. So we went from for about, it went for about three weeks, once a week, and you saw this lovely lady, I can't remember her name. And then on the third or fourth time, she asked me to come in with you. And in that yeah. time, you had told her what had happened, happened to it's you me. on that family holiday. So that's when it all really started. So you then really, you didn't want, at that point of time, didn't want us to speak to the people that were involved in, uh, the in that. So we didn't. But over that time, it was probably only, well, you went into hospital in May. So you you progressively got... Um, sort of thinner and thinner, and I had planned a holiday with my girlfriend um, overseas um, to Europe. Europe. Yeah, I remember that. And when I was, and before I'd left, I'd said to you, because I didn't know whether I should cancel, because you were you, you were really losing losing weight. Yeah. Um, I said, now if you don't start putting some weight on and stop all this, like, exercise, I said, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to take you to see a doctor when I, when I get back. Well, yeah. I get a phone call in Paris when I was in Paris to say that you'd been admitted into the well, Maltrudum's hospital. So that was when, so then obviously was scrambling to get um, back, you know, back home. Yeah. So that's, that is where how it sort of all sort of really, really started. So it was really at that point you're in a, a just a medical ward. So it yeah. was really like, Feed you back up, get your weight back up, and get me um, out. I get it. And well, then they sort of then said that that, that you really need to go into the Kim's ward, which is the children's yep. mental health, which is ward, the child, yeah, children's psych ward, to um to get things stable, stabilizing, which was sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, might be in there for a, a couple, you know, a couple of weeks or so to just to make sure that you're you're okay and you would see a. There's a psychiatrist, the psychiatrist in there, um, and really, that was the start of four years. That so basically, so I pretty much went from a healthy, happy teenager to this family holiday where this trauma occurred, and then within five months, I was medically unstable enough to yeah. be admitted. Yeah, into yeah, d- so yeah, it, it moved yeah. pretty quickly. And I mean, and that, and I do remember, I think that my first ever admitted weight, you know, I was only 13. So I think the first time I was admitted, I was somewhere around 36 kilos and little do we know that it was going to get much worse than that. Um, but I think that was one of the times that I was probably the most medically unstable, that first admission from memory, but I don't remember a lot either. Um, okay. Actually, I will just state here just for, anyone that is listening, if you, you may find that some, that during this conversation with mum, that some of our timelines differ because it was a very traumatic time for our entire family, myself and mum. So some of the things that I remember, and then some of the things that mum remember members, we remember happening at different times, or she wasn't privy to a conversation, or I wasn't privy to a conversation or, or whatever that make our timeline slightly different. So if you do pick up on that, that is a little bit more trauma related um, than anything else. But I did just want to state that because that was something that we discussed before we started recording that we were worried that some of our timelines might seem a little bit different. Now, can you tell me that first hospital admission, mum, how, how did that affect you 
dad, your relationship, and then Tyler. Because for me, it just anorexia is very self-absorbing. You sort of yes. you don't you don't really see outside of it. It's like you and Anna. That's it. Everyone else is in the way. Do you know what I mean? And that's and that sounds really nasty to say out loud. But looking back now, I can see how self-centered I was and how manipulative I was because of my illness. But I never got, I never saw how it affected everyone else because at the time it wasn't something that I was looking for. So can you well, explain, yeah, how, yes. how that how that affected you guys? Well, I guess in the beginning, when you were first, um, like when when you did the hospital, I don't think no one thought or none of us thought. We just thought that you would. You are, you know, now that you had medical help, that you would be okay. Yeah. Not knowing how bad anorexia can get and how strong that is, like as you've talked and um, about Anna, how strong she was already cemented in you. Into my persona. At that stage. And none of us had never thought what we were actually up against because right from the word go um you you fought most of, a lot of kids that go down sort of that road they get medically compromised they go into the hospital they get help and they obviously you start having counseling they can work their like they work they they can work their way out of it yeah but you were just Relax. you were just one of just one big brick and that was it. it was you and Anna no one was going to tell you what you were going to do you weren't going to eat no matter no matter what uh you fought every time they you know they well you had to put your own uh tube in um yeah. in the end because you you know you wouldn't let them do it but it was a yeah. battle All I think time. I did that pretty much right from the start I think you they did. only ever put my tube down the very first admission and I can remember how traumatic it was because they kept missing and I think pretty much from the very next time and I and I, I mean I pretty much wore an asiagastric tube for four years pretty much like end up having to go to school with it and stuff in I yeah I think from almost like the second time I had to put one in I was like just give it to me and I'll do it myself like you just you can't do it properly <laughs> I'll do yeah, it <laughs> right from the word go from experiencing other girls coming into the ward over the time that you were there you know yeah. they were sort of quite compliant Mm. With, you know what, the nurses and because you all get put on a plan and they would follow the plan, not you. (laughs) You would not do anything on the plan and you fought and fought. So it was just, we got nowhere, absolutely nowhere. You were that difficult. You Mm. were that difficult. You, You couldn't compromise with you. And it got you the stage where you would, it was like you could, well, people would come in and visit you in the beginning where you just, you know, you just pushed all your friends away. Everyone away. Yeah. Everyone away, even to the um, to the extent, even your, even your dad, where he'd come, obviously he'd come in, but if you're in a really, really bad headspace and you were, you know, happy when we had to go into our family meeting on the Thursday and you were determined what you were going to have on your plan and we'd talk about it and if you'd sort of dad had come in the day before or come in the afternoon, you would deliberately just go through his throat to give him the shits so he would walk out. You did, mm-hmm. And he didn't do that all the time, but sometimes when you were extremely hard and you couldn't cope with him, you could only cope because... I was the one that you convinced all the time how great yeah. you were and you knew what you were doing and you were in control. Yeah. So I was the one and you I was the only one that you gave would actually let you in your circle, no one else. Mm. So it was it was just it was just I was on your hip and that was it. No one else. I can't yeah, deal with I, anyone else. Yeah, because so I used, was, to, used to go in a bad for me all the time. So anyone that else was it. couldn't deal, yeah. So you just pushed, pushed, pushed away. You know, it wasn't like that all the time, but a lot yeah, of the but time. I do I, have, um, I do have memories of of doing like, like I'm doing those things to that, and then him leaving and me being like, I shouldn't have done that. What was it like? Not that I was nasty to him from what I remember, but just like I was unresponsive and I was short and I was like not 
engaging yeah. and I, you know, I didn't want to play the games with him. You know, like he used to play like skip on stuff and I just wouldn't play and, you know, I'd be on tangents about things. So I remember even like it gets to the point where Anna would get that overwhelming that I would like rock and just hit and like just bang my head and stuff. And um, it, it could have just been where, as you know, leading up to dinner where you had yeah. to go and have dinner. Even yeah. like that would be, that was traumatic enough yeah. at some times that you just couldn't, you couldn't cope. And that sort of happened all the way, all the way through. To, yeah. It really got to a stage um, where we had family meetings every Thursday afternoon with your, yeah. your, your father, me and Tyler, and we would sit down to do a plan. And to do the plan, you know, to try to reward you. If you eat, you get to a certain wage you could go out for the uh, go out for the weekend or you could go out for a couple like a couple of hours or why not so just to clarify those those meetings were in the hospitals it, it, yeah. while I was in hospital with the the psychiatrist like my my and I don't know what you call the nursing per person in my circle whatever those family meetings were were done in the hospital that then helps negotiate if I could be discharged, if I'd go on weekend leave and all that sort of stuff because these wards are locked. You can't just yes. come and go like you can out of a medical ward. Yes. And how many calories in that you, you know, that you had to have per day? Yes. Yeah. So that so that happened like everywhere. And, you know, and also support for the, like for the whole family, but the majority of the time was about what you were, what you were prepared to do. And I seem to, from memory, have like, and I might be wrong here because my, like we said before, some of our memories are a little bit off, but I can remember most of those family meetings, whatever I would send you in with, with this is what we are doing, you like, like 80 to 85% of the time, it was like, you'd come back and be like, yeah, okay, we're just going to do what you asked. Like, they're just going to do that. Like, it wasn't very often, even though it might not end up being the right thing. I think I was that bad of a case that, that even though they'd be like, well, it's probably not going to work, but we'll try again this weekend, um, seemed to always let me keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Well, you know? like- well they'd cut, they, they, they would cut it, you know, they would cut it down. Like yeah. sometimes they would just, just go, well, bail up and you're not going out. They wouldn't let you out. But see, then yeah. I would spend the whole time with you, you know, I'd be there all the time. All so I would be there every afternoon after work. I only worked up till three o'clock in the afternoon I'd go straight into the hospital and I'd be I wouldn't leave there till 7 30 and yeah. I would be with you I'd be there at eight o'clock on a Saturday I wouldn't leave to eight o'clock Saturday night and the same Sunday Monday so yeah. I was constantly with you they you just that that, live there well they did and they really weren't in agreement with that because they felt that really you by no one coming to see you you being on your own you would see what you're missing out on. And I can remember you, that that theory not working either because I remember they didn't let well, me go. They didn't let me go to a ballet once, I remember. And yes, my my um my punishment was bed rest for the weekend or something yeah. like that. And you and I think they bed. and I sat on that fucking bed all weekend. Yes. With my finger in the air like fuck you. Like I just I'm still gonna do what I want to do. I think I even disconnected my feeds and stuff that weekend just to really shove it up. Um Oh, you so were, that didn't you really were, work either. <laughs> no, actually, nothing. Um, it, you know, the psychiatrist said, you know, I've been treating um, kids with anorexia for twenty for twenty years, and Maddie would be in the top three kids that I've dealt with. He used to say that you should have been a defence lawyer. So, <laughs> oh my god, maybe I missed my calling in life. <laughs> oh my god, because you would just. Ne- Negotiate, you you know, it really negotiate extreme. But we we're fighting this, you know, this terrible, terrible disease. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. My my anorexia, I think, was very, it was very strong. The they, they, it's not a voice; it's a thought. It's like it's your own thoughts. But it was very, very, very prominent right from the get go. When I look back now, I'm I like I I look back and I think. It was extremely prominent. Like I remember, I wrote diaries every 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 day of the hospital that I had, and somehow they got stolen out of my room. I I had like three or four years of diaries, and they all went missing out of that Kim's ward, all at once. Mm-hmm. I don't and like I had so, and I can remember some of those diary entries, and it was very well. She was very strong right from the start. 
yeah. right from the start. There was no yeah. there was no fooling around. Yeah. And mm. yes, and it was. It was extremely um, you know, and, and then we sort of had periods of time um where, you know, you're actually in uh, ICU um three times where your yep. weight just got, you know, you were so medically uh compromised. You weren't in there yep. for long periods of time, as you know, yep. like a day or two just to get you medically stable. And was that because... early on in my um, in my illness or was that, did that happen throughout the illness or more it so at the start? It happened three times sort of throughout, yeah, okay. you know, through, throughout to stay because it wasn't, you know, like you would be, you know, we'd, you'd sort of go okay, you know, and you'd, we'd get you around about the 46 kilos, weren't happy, but... Um, you know, and then we at, at one point we got you actually back at school. Yeah. Where you'd actually go to school for a couple of days. But the yeah. problem was, and then you'd have to go back, say, three days with your tube, feeding tube. You'd go back three days for a check-in, you know, and you'd lost eight kilos. So mm. there we go. So this cycle constantly, continue. it just happened constantly. The yeah, because whole- I even tried... They even tried Tell going to school and then going back to the hospital at night time to be refed and then going back to school, hospital. And I think that they did that in an effort to try and get me back to being around normal kids again and, and a normal environment in yes, hope that correct. that would. And that uh, I think that was probably one of the more logical things that they did. Also, it didn't work at the time. Um, but, yeah, I do, I, I do remember doing that. I do definitely remember doing that. Mum, take me back though quickly. I want to know how did all of this affect your relationship with dad and how do you, and how, and from what you saw, how did it affect your, like Tyler and, and her relationship with you guys? Well, I mean, obviously I think, you know, we did the best that we can, that we yeah, could. Definitely. Um, because. But it's a lot of strain. It's a lot of trauma well, for the whole family to experience. Like you're living pretty much in the hospital with me seven yes. days a week. Tyler's going to school. Dad's running a, you know, he was running a very successful business from home. You know, like like it's it's natural for the family unit you know, to become very disconnected because everyone's in different places. So that's kind of what I want people to understand. Like they're going through it at the moment, like that that's normal um, to feel that disconnect, but how, how you guys felt, because I don't know how it felt. I suppose... Um... So like with your like with your dad because I was with you all the time, and we'd go to the meetings and they wouldn't want me to be with you all the time. So that would that sort of created you know where your father'd say, well you know maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I was just as headstrong and said, well I'm not leaving it there. I'm not leaving it there on our own. I don't care. Yeah. Like you were, you literally became. It was. I, I, I had to make sure that you survived. It was like, yeah, it was like that. That it was, it, that it was like a survival. If I wasn't with you all the time, well, yeah. I felt if I wasn't with you all the time, I would lose you. Yeah, like I suppose in the back of my mind, I always, you know, um, Tyler was with your dad. So and yeah. and he was marvelous. You know, he drove her to school and picked her up. He was with her all weekends. He, you know, they were down the coast over the like. Every weekend, he was amazing. So I guess yeah. we were sort of living, but there was Two no lives. There was no um, uh, like fighting or screaming or yelling or or fights no. between us. It was no. just your living. You know, two it was lives. like I was just on this, you know, trying to keep you alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I really believe that's w- what my whole focus was. Even when I used to go in and negotiate with these doctors um, with your meal plans, a lot of the time I was on, you know, I was fighting for you. And, uh, Maddie said that she's not having two eggs. She'll only have one. She won't have six prawns. She'll have four. <laughs> and silly she sent that, me in with notes and little little and, sticky bits. And and that's true. And that's what yeah. it was like because going to these meetings, you would be, Mum, I'm not doing this. I'll only do that. You know, you were set what you would and you would not do. Well, I guess I wanted so, to make sure they knew that if their expectation was I was going to go out and do X, Y, and Z. 
that they knew that, well, I wasn't going to do that. So you either, like I, we either do it this way and I go out or we don't do it this way and I don't go out. Like I think a little bit, you know. They probably thought they'd never get rid of you, which they never did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I remember, I remember actually getting discharged quite a few times, and and this is, I think, where some of the systems are really broken. Yes. Um. And and some of the like, I'm not going to bag the, the the system, but the, but from people from someone who's experienced it personally, one of the biggest disconnects between nursing staff and the patients in these wards is that they're nurses, they're not mental health nurses. So like I used to, you know, I used to leave, you know, get discharged and they'd make comments like, you'll be back. We'll see you soon. You'll be back. Or I had nurses that would say things to me like, you know, really, and it'd be more the ones, not the ones that were there all the time, the ones that would sort of just come, you know, like like placement ones or whatever, you know, fill-in ones for like a day or two. And they would say, and maybe they caught me on a day where I was really irrational or, or something, but they would say things like, there are kids in the cancer ward dying that would do anything to go home and all you've got to do is eat. And I can remember like more than one nurse saying that to me. I can also remember one nurse thinking it was funny when I went for a weigh-in one day and although a rational person would have known that this was not not happening, like she stood on the back of the scale and I went from like, you know, last time I was weighed of being 40 kilos to being 75 kilos. A rational person goes, well, that. Like, you know, the scale's broken or this arsehole behind me standing there. But someone's got anorexia that's frightened of 100 grams on the scale. Like, they, that was that, that was the type of people that were, like, some of the nursing staff that were going through that place. And it was like, it just, it, it wasn't a very nice environment sometimes at all, you know. But, you know, we are talking, you know, now nearly, um, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm it was sure, 20 years ago. I'm, I'm sure... Things are, you know, are very, very different. There's a lot I would more hope so. uh, about anorexia now. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in anyone she's going down that as a mother going down that road. Um, no, definitely not. It, it, again, but if we sort of go back, we did do, we did try a, a few other things. We um, did, yeah. Um, outside uh, the hospital, not that they were really, um, really for it. But um, this particular outpatient, you'd be dropped off at nine o'clock, but you'd have to be picked up at at three o'clock. So was this? So had I been discharged from oh, no, the no. hospital uh, at this stage? So I was no. still at the hospital, like still yes. part of the hospital program. Yep. And so this is probably, still during my four years of hospital. Admission. Yes, problem. This is probably within the first year. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't realize yeah, it was about, that early on. Yeah, about probably in about the first year. Uh, it was in the last year. That's no, how off my time is. No, in the in in the first year. Now it's extremely expensive. To what I can remember, it was round about you know like eighteen hundred dollars a week, or if it wasn't a week, it was a fortnight. I can't you know it's going back twenty years, but it was super expensive. But you you had to be dropped off at nine and picked up at three. So and then when I'd be going go back to the, the hospital ho- after that, yes. I'd pick you up from the hospital, take you to this outpatient's place. Then I'd have to pick you up at three o'clock and you'd go back to the hospital. So we probably did it for three months and it was just not successful for you. It was at all. It did not. I can remember it being proper. We tried, but it wasn't very, very different. Um, Very, very focused what I remember on the negative, on the negative mind. Yeah. Um, it was a bit woohoo too from my memory. And I think the problem with this particular outpatient facility was, and I think the problem with a, uh, that you come under with having such severe eating disorder is that they group you with other people that have severe eating disorder. So when you get to the point that your mum and dad are going to be spending $2,000 a week on treatment, you are with other people that as parents or families are at that point where they're like, I'll spend anything, you know? So you're talking about severe like- cases. And, you're, and I remember we were all in like, it was a house, I think, um, that we would yes, go to. Great. And you would all sit together, you know, like, you know, and you would sort of watch each other like picking at food and and like, you know, like everyone, everyone was really disconnected. It was a really, 
Although they tried to make it a positive environment, it was not positive at all because you were just looking around thinking, well, am I fatter than her? Am I fatter than her? You know, you know, why is she here? Like it was just very, it was not, it was, I remember it not being, I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing? This is not going to work. Well, it was most certainly wasn't um, effective for you because you were no. so, you were so strong, so strong-willed. So, but we had to, I was at that stage ready to try Anything. anything, yeah, absolutely anything, because we were getting nowhere at the hospital. So that's really how it sort of went for those really those four years. You know, um, you'd be in, you'd be you know out, but that you never really got out. Even though they, you know, you were discharged, you were back in within a week or a half. Like yeah, you, because you'd be discharged and then outpatient follow ups, and then you'd drop enough because weight yeah, that put you back in you know you you would be met you'd become medically compromised um you and know have to go so back quickly. in anyway yeah and as i said before just before we started this i can remember the doctor saying to jenny you know for you to actually keep your weight so it doesn't drop you have to be eating a, a certain amount of calories for about three months to get your weight up now i'm talking about girls that have come from where you have, not a normal yeah. um, healthy person, that to get up to th- that three months to get your weight up and to be able to maintain it. Yeah, to then eat that amount of calories consistently yeah, where you for could your body to hold it. Leave the host- say, leave the hospital, for say, for three days and not eat very well. Yes, you might lose a kilo or two, but you wouldn't lose six or eight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I could, yeah, my weight would drop very, very quickly because it had it was it hadn't gotten used to having to hold on to that weight yet. So yes. yeah, so it, it wasn't that I was doing anything extreme to be losing that six kilos in three days when I was when I was being discharged. And so that to be able to not lose that, yeah, I had to be eating what would be considered a surplus of calories to just maintain for those three days. You know, until my body had a chance to really repair, and then you could eat more normal maintenance sort of calories so yeah yeah right. it, and, I'm talking, and I was just like not doing it no because you talk we were talking I can remember 3,200 3,500 calories a day yeah like for, for someone like you that you know yeah just was, to maintain like 46 kilos you'd have to eat an astronomical of calories which is why the refeeding overnight would have to happen for a period of time until your body could stabilize there yes and these insures, which are extremely high in yeah, calories, nutrition yeah. and calories. Yeah, yeah. So, Mum, um, how did the family cope? Do you think with my four years of psych ward admissions? Like, what what do you think that was the thing that sort of held you together? Because I mean, at no stage did I ever witness, and maybe I was just sheltered from it. I never witnessed any. Oh, maybe not that I was sheltered. Maybe that I was just so disconnected from it. Like, how do you think you guys actually got through it? Well, I think we just we just did. You just you do you just do what you have to do. I think your sister missed you terribly. So that yeah. was you know, that was really hard because she felt that she'd lost, you know, you know, she'd lost a best friend and she looked up she looked up to you. Um that was but you know I don't sort of really remember. We just we did what we had to do we one, just one foot in front of the other in front of the other and we just kept going it was a lot difficult and a lot harder once you turned 18 and you were actually discharged and came home that's where right. it became extremely extremely difficult difficult well let's talk about that hey so the day that they decided to well not the day that I decided again my time I'll be off a little bit but when they decided that okay look we're not decided once you turn 17 you're not you're not kidding me you can't be treating the kids for right 18 yeah 18 sorry um tell me about what happened there or tell tell you know the listeners about what yeah. happened there well sort of leading up to that when you you're you know obviously turning um 18 and you can no longer stay in the um the Kim's ward and as an adult, uh, once you once you leave and you go out, so when you become medically compromised, again you just you go into a normal general ward. They feed you up, get you to a weight, and they send you out. Now, your in your case, they were suggesting that you needed to go to Newfound Clinic. 
which was a um, an adult psychiatric ward. Yes. So we went. We had been over there before for you to visit one of the the girls that you had uh, become friendly. That was in the ward. That was yeah, also an We went over to visit her once. So I knew I had been. We had been there, and yeah. I knew when they said that you should go to New Thought Clinic. Uh, that she's not going there. If I, she goes there, I will lose her. She will die. And I knew in my gut, in my heart, that if you went there, that was it. That would be it. I know how knew how how strong you were. I just and I thought there's no way in the world they're gonna and they're not gonna have the care factor. Wouldn't that they? they the do care factor as as children it's different with obviously. kids. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in a ward of ten. And not all those 10 uh, patients that have got anorexia. There was a few of you, though, probably about six of you. But in these wards, you know, there's 30, 40, you know. Like yeah. an old... And you're talking about fully grown men and women with, um, with like severe mental health problems, yeah. like severe psych. Um, uh, and you're all eating the Schizophrenia and things. Um, yeah. So it was like I thought. Um, like it was, especially when you sort of going onto a children's ward, and it was it was just terrible. I can still see the picture walking in there. So I knew I had to do everything I could to keep you from from there. Going so there. they wouldn't um, let you go unless you were a certain a, a certain weight. You had to be forty six kilos before they would actually discharge, like let, officially discharge from the officially from the children's ward. And, and did I have to hold that for a little while before well, they'd say, okay, we're not going to push you over to the new farm clinic and we're going to discharge you? Like, is that how it worked? Well, you came then under one of the the doctors, the psychiatrists. So she sort of managed it. So you had to see her once a fortnight, but every week you had to go to a dietitian and then you had to go to a uh, go to the doctors the yeah. same time and you had to be weighed. So obviously it wasn't very long that the weight started, started to go off. down pretty quick. Yeah. So that's where all the you started doing all the water loading. Yeah. Um and of course then you know we'd go back go back to see the psychiatrist too, you know, and then it'd be the same spill if you don't start putting the weight on Maddie, you're gonna have to go into um back into the clinic. Yeah. Um, so it got to this, you know, it got to, so you go to the doctors and you'd be 40 kilos every single time. It would be amazing. You go 40 kilos again, Matt, 40 kilos again. And I'm, you know, you weren't 40, you know, you're 38. It's going, you're, you're going down. And the poor dietitian, she was this beautiful young, young girl. You'd sit there and negotiate with her. We'd spend an hour in there coming up with a meal plan for the week soon as we got in the car, you'd just look at me and go, don't think for one minute I'm doing any of that. I go, so here we go again. I shouldn't laugh, but. But it was it, it was the same. Now, this probably went on for probably about, I don't know, maybe not a bit, not a huge amount of time because you were getting. And Tyler said to me one day, she said, Mum, you are going to kill her. She's really? got to go back to the hospital. You're, you're stopping. She, you are going to kill her if you don't send her back to the hospital. Wow. I didn't know that. So, and it wasn't, you know, so I'm, you know, I can remember born, born on really what, uh, what to do. It's a hard situation because, like, yes, I was slowly dying in front of your eyes, but like because of my eating disorder, but then like you knew that if I was to go into that environment, that environment was going to kill me. Oh. The same illness was going to get me, but it was going to take 30 years to kill me and in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So for anyone that hasn't been in this situation, it might be hard to fathom why as a mother you weren't just like always sending me back to the hospital because that's the best place because I think that for me the problem was that I – 
Like that was never the place that I was going to get better. And I think from somehow on some interconnected level, you knew that that was going, that, that, that way was surefire going to kill me. Whereas this way, although it looked like I was slowly dying, it was like, there's something, it's like something's going to change, you know, like there was like. Uh, I was, I was hoping something was going to change. <laughs> Obviously, I would have sent you back to the hospital. Yeah. Because in during that time, either while you were high, you know, when you weren't at home for all those four years, you know, Tyler had the run of, of the house. Well, you came home and Tyler, you, none of her girlfriends were, could come to the house because you couldn't cope if anyone was in, in the house except for the family. Oh, shit. Okay. So, so, so none of her girlfriends could, no one could come over because you were there. And meal times were just, um, unbelievable so you know for for say for dinner you know you'd have three prawns nothing could touch anything a little bit of lettuce half a tomato or a couple slices of tomato yeah um and probably I remember there was uh, there was a very strict and I'll, I'll tell this I'll tell this part from my perspective once it got to that point where I was like eating at home and stuff in, the, in these moments in time, there was very strict rules in my head with Anna as to how I could and couldn't eat. So dinner is the one the one rigid routine that I really remember. And I remember I had to be sitting on that yellow couch. Yes, and it had to be 7 o'clock at night while I was watching Home and Away. Nothing could touch on the plate and I negotiated how much of everything very strictly. Yes. I had to have a digital clock sitting next to me. And a glass of water, I'd have, and I'd sit on the couch. I couldn't eat for the first ten minutes. I could only eat on the even numbers of the digital clock. I could not eat. I had to only be chewing on the on the even numbers. And my dinner had to take a minimum of forty five minutes to eat. And that was like that was it was more. And dinner seemed to have that rigid routine. I don't know why it was dinner. I'm sure I can't remember the other meals, but that one particular meal. Um, had, was it was very strict for some reason. And so, I remember yes. causing the most frustration. I remember having arguments with Dad about it. He'd be like, you know, yeah. And it was like, it didn't matter how much anyone yelled at me or got cranky or frustrated. I was like, I can't. Like, I can't. I, what you don't understand is I cannot do this any other way because if I do, like, she's going to fucking torment me. So just it has to take this long and I have to do it this way. And that's the thing that people don't realise. It's not that you're not wanting to be compliant. It's like you don't realise that like how much worse it gets in there if if you don't follow the rules, you know, the rules are the rules. This negative mind like was so strong. So it wasn't wasn't very long. So you're used to in the morning you have some some sort of like cereal, like, you know, like. Two mouthfuls so that would take you, you know, <laughs> two hours to eat. Um, and then one day you came out to me and you said, um, Mum, would I be a pig if I had another bowl of cereal? And it was granola. <laughs> it was granola. Yeah. Vanilla, vanilla clusters, I think. Yes, vanilla. they were. Yeah. yeah. They were. Like you, you know, you used to have like one. Um, and and from there, it things things started to change, but unfortunately, it didn't. It wasn't smooth sailing. It actually, from there, it probably actually got worse uh, yeah. for me. That's Do you when... think that there's anything that that you can pinpoint as to like? I think that like this particular thing or that particular thing might have been what like made me decide I wanted to have an extra bowl of cereal? What made me wake up one morning and go, I've had enough, I'm ready I mean, to fight this thing? Do, like, do I you mean, uh, pinpoint anything? No, I think it was maybe you had subconsciously made a decision to do. Yeah. Uh, Just go, I'm really not doing know. this anymore? Okay. But at that point, um, because, you know, you were controlling um, this illness through your eating, it then, because you hadn't really known how to eat for four years, it was like you didn't know how to eat. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you were binge eating. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then you, and then you would, you know, obviously, 
go and purging. Yeah. Purging. So that cycle started. And yeah, then okay. that and then from there it went because then you you started to put on weight. Yeah. And then you started um self harming. Self harming. But not real bad. You know, you no. had to go, you, you had to be stitched a couple of times, but not like no, it was only something that was some short-lived as I it was. was kind of coming through my recovery, something I sort of tested as, as, as a way of coping, yeah. So you, you, you had to go, you know, through, you sort of had to take the focus from the food and you're using other mechanisms to like to cope. Did you guys um, ever witness me have any of these binge eating episodes or was it more I was doing them in private and then you were like, um, and then sometimes, sometimes it's yeah. like a big, and it would be sort of like ice cream. And yeah, because things be, that are easy to, to purge. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, yeah, okay. but, they, but it didn't last, it wasn't, didn't last for long, like long periods of time. But your weight did come, not great, but your weight did come up and you were no longer medically, uh, medically compromised. Yeah. So, and so then, then that's it- where, and then from there, you sort of became because we bought you a new, a, a brand new car for your 18th birthday. So you had your yeah. own will. So you're independent. So then it became very difficult for me because all of a sudden I was. I just cut the umbilical cord. Yes. So it was very, very difficult. And you no longer wanted me. You yeah. Know? Okay. So I just, I went from like having you tied to my hip and I'd straddled you there to like. And no, and and this sounds really horrible when I say, it. and to literally just be like, I'm, I'm like, we're good, I'm good now. Yes. Do you know what I mean? But there's no, there was no. But but you're an eighteen, you're an eighteen yeah. year old who's really only fourteen. Yeah, well, that's right, and that's another thing that people didn't realize was that I went through some like behaviors that would have seemed oh. very irrational and very immature and very silly. But what people didn't know at that time was like I'd literally gone from thirteen to. It's like you like you're given a 13 year old the keys to the kingdom and gone. Here's a car. Here's your license, and here is your 18 plus card to go and do whatever the bloody hell you want. Do you know what I mean? It was the equivalent of doing that, and I could do it. That's right. But I had no emotional intelligence, and I had no. I'd never been to a party. I'd never drunk anything. I'd never experienced being tipsy or you know any of those things. And I just and I just hit, I remember I hit the ground running, and I just like I did everything in that first 12 months. All of it, and that was you know, that was ex- extremely, difficult. Uh, extremely, extremely difficult. Um, and I guess that's why from there, I mean, obviously, there's uh, quite a few few years that you, you know, recovered. yeah, 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 you sort of like recovered, um, and then you um, obviously met. Uh, where's you? Next your first oh. relationship you're in was quite a toxic. Relationship, I think, um, you know, so that actually did you absolutely no, like, no good. But of course, that couldn't tell you, you're already strong willed. And then you sort of met your, met your husband, and things are really quite, um, you know, good. And then, and that's why, I, and from there, sort of went with, and I don't really, uh, aren't really ready to talk about sort of really what happened um, after that with your, with your father. Maybe in future. Future episodes we might be able to dive into. Yeah. They're a little bit more. So we're because at the moment we're talking about things that happened twenty years ago. When it comes yes. to dad and then my my and then the way I dealt with that and my drug addiction, like that's we're only talking about seven eight years ago. You know, between you know, depending on the timelines, like where you want where yeah. you look at from, that's it's still very fresh. Um, you know, and then that's another that's another whole another thing. But if we just go back. Can you remember what were some of the hardest days that you remember during my anorexia? Is there anything that like stands out as like one of the worst days or one of the moments that you thought like like she's gonna die or like anything that you that that you remember or is it all just one kind of big blur? Well, I wouldn't say it's a big blur. Every day was it was the same. Yeah, okay. it was just con. It was the same, doing the same thing constantly. Day after day after day, so it was, so it was always like, a drive to keep you. To it was almost like living in frustration all the time. You know, it was. You know, I was. I worked. I was at the hospital. I worked. I was at the hospital. Yeah, with you. And you spent all weekend at the hospital. 
you know, or argue with me about what I wasn't going to eat at the shingle in at the yeah. when we so went out was, to lunch on the weekend. So it was very difficult for you, you know, for your sisters. So that's um, and I will get Tyler on at some at some stage as well as uh, to tell her experience as well because, like we said, everyone remembers it different. Everyone, everyone yeah. suffered sure from it very felt, differently. Yeah, I'm sure she probably felt at times I'd sort of abandoned her as a mother. Um, I don't think that. I don't think she would. But obviously, your father was ah, oh, he was like having you know. He three mothers and three fathers. He was just, you know, he was just, ama- just amazing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so. But, okay, you well, know, we, you, you survived. I did. I'm still here. <laughs> You're still here. But so, my, I, yeah, go. I suppose if I was going to say, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there in families, you know, that are got, you know, young kids that are, going down that have, you know, eating disorders. Yeah. I don't know if all deceiving orders or anorexia are quite as bad as what, you know, how you, how bad you had it because some of the other girls in your wards that you were with weren't as bad and weren't a strong, a strong willed. Now, I don't know whether that's because their negative mind was nowhere near as strong as yours. So obviously it's all different. But my one thing is, I think I knew in my gut and my heart what I had to do. Yeah. And I think as a mother, that's... You just kind of know. And like some of the mums there listen to the doctors and wouldn't come and visit their, you know, their daughters. Yeah. Yeah. And I was never, ever, ever, no matter what they said, was I ever, ever going to do that. And I never, ever did. Ever no, did. No. I was and another you. thing that we never did was we, I was never medicated either. I was never medicated with no. de- antidepressants because that's something no. that you see a lot as well with um, and that's what any they, disorders. Yeah. yeah, you get loaded up with antidepressant, this antipsychotic, that. And I saw a lot of that in the hospital too. And that's, look, they're just trying to, I guess, help balance yeah. out that's maybe one thing a chemical you also imbalance. Used to yeah, and that was something that we and every the whole family though was very behind that. You know, like dad, you, me, we're all, nah, we're not doing that. Like it's not something we've needed before, so it's something we're doing now. You know, um, now that you really could even make any good decisions anyway, because you're yeah. so low. <laughs> but it wasn't really the thing that I needed. You know, like it wasn't. Well, no, what's well, we didn't feel that that was. That the answer is, for us. That that was that was the the answer. No, um, not at all. So I don't, um, you know, I believe that I did the right thing. And I, I, it was pretty hard when Tyler said to me that, um, and I'll never forget it. Standing in the kitchen, you know, you're going to kill a mum. But I still, even then, had this, you know, this thing. I can't. She can't go there. She will yeah. die. No, it was so strong. I'd still be, I'd still be there. I, I honestly believe that I'd still be in and out of there. Like my life would have just, like it would have never got better. But it did. No. I just always lived. I would have always just lived that life because you become very institutionalized and you are a product of the people that you spend the most time with. So if you're if you're housed and living with mentally ill people and people that are suffering from anorexia and and serious cases that have done for decades when you've been in there, you know these people been there for decades. You are a product of that environment and you will continue to be a product of that environment until you start to realise what you're missing out, until you have to go and spend time with, you know, people that are doing the more normalised things that you do in life. You know, and I think I think that's what saved me in the end was having to, like, be around normal people and realising yeah. what I was missing you know, getting, out on. Yeah, taking you out of the hospital. You know, yeah. I mean, and it was a short period of time. We're probably talking three months or so from the time of that, from that initial discharge to you actually sort of said, were you sort of, you know, can I have that extra bowl of cereal? So it yeah. wasn't a long, it wasn't a long period of time. Well, you, you didn't really have the time anyway, because otherwise you would have had to go back. You would have had yeah. to go back. I wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't have had a choice, but I was yeah. to fight and I was lucky. I wonder that- if it was. I wonder if it was like if that unconscious switch was flipped when Tyler made that comment, whether I heard her say it to you or like because obviously there was, there, was a, 
there was a switch that flicked somewhere that made me go, I need to do something. Like I need, like I can't, I can't keep living this way. And I just woke up, and although my recovery was very difficult, that particular morning was the turning point. That I will have a bowl. Can I have another bowl of cereal? You know, I don't know how big the bowl was, but um, but, how but I wonder was... if I heard her say that, or if maybe you, you and I had a conversation about it, and maybe no, no, uh, I didn't. Um, no, I do. I wouldn't have said anything to you um, about that. Tyler just, you know, just said it to me. Because yeah, she was yeah. obviously scared she was going to lose you um, yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Mum, did you, for people that are cut, like are dealing with a, a child that's currently going through this to the degree that I was, were there any eating disorder habits that you witnessed throughout that time that you found that you didn't expect to witness or that you found very like, you know, that someone that might be helping their daughter or son or whatever right now something for them to look out for like that yeah like maybe you wouldn't have expected to see as a behavior before you were admitted no during so once I was sick well it's it's pretty hard because when you're in the hospital you're not you're like you're, you're monitored so you're monitored. You, you're, 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 like you all go in and eat um, together what about what about before together. Before I was admitted, was there any like warning signs or or anything apart from obviously I was getting thinner and stuff? Anything, any any behaviors that you witnessed that um, excess, like that you looked excess, at now? The excess yeah. in exercise, guys, was the biggest uh, and, one. Yeah, and cutting down your food. And was I, I guess, noticeably cutting down the food, as in like I was sort of, you know, making it. Well, you know, that's like what I was doing. Well, you'd sort of say, "Oh no, well I'll." You know, you know, I, I you know, look, you, you, you might be going to say to um, violin practice in the afternoon. You go, oh, I, I had something. Um, I bought something at lunchtime, and I've so I've already eaten. Yeah. You know, okay. Like, so just little, little slight things like that that make you go, that, well, that's that's. Out well, of well first you don't think any. Well, at first you don't really think anything of it because you're telling me you have eaten. So and you've got no reason just, not to believe me. I've no reason not to believe you. So I guess those were, but they were only sort of really small things. The main yeah. things really were were the the excess of the exercise and no. the limited food that you're eating. Yeah. So that definitely were was the biggest. Uh, were the you know, um, the, yeah, the biggest things. And then obviously when we found out about you know, sort of what had happened, I guess then that was, you know, trauma, I guess. Yeah, on top of that. On on top of on top of that as well for you. So so mum, to wrap it up today then, um, what would be your advice for families that are currently in this situation? Do you have any inside I guess knowledge not knowledge, but any inside thoughts or inside advice for those those people that are currently going through this? Um, you know, how they might be able to manage it a little bit better? Oh, I guess we all do. You know your own, yeah, you know, you know your own child and you know your own, you know, you know your own gut. Yeah. Um, as I said to you before, I would, even though it's, it's an awful disease, if you've got children in the hospital, keep like keep fighting for them. Yeah. If your gut you know, tells you something, you know, listen to Yeah, your gut. just, you know, like when they kept saying, and, and I don't know if they do this now. I, I really don't. But you know, they didn't want me to come and see you. You know, don't come and see you for three weeks. How, how? can I not how can I not come and see you for three weeks? There was yeah. another girl in there became very close with. And her mum Unfortunately, you know, she was a single mum, so it was very difficult, and um, and she couldn't give that amount of support, yeah, to her child through her circumstances. So obviously, all your circumstances are different, and some people yeah. can't, couldn't maybe spend as much time as I did. So they have to now these days. Most families have to have you know two full incomes, young families. Yeah, but I think you know just. 
you just got to keep you just got to keep fighting with them you know support and love and and I think that you know you knowing how much I was there always really helped really helped yeah so you know? just don't give up no, don't give just, up like there will be a turning point you just need to follow your heart or follow your gut if and- if you keep fighting with them if yeah. you keep fighting with them um that we'll you know I, I do believe that's what really helped you turn the corner in the end mm-hmm. all right mum well we might wrap that up here today um but I would like to thank you very much for coming on and I do hope that in um, future episodes that we can dive into like dads and my drug addiction as well because I think it really helps people to see it from both sides, like how it affects you guys as a supporter and then me as the sufferer. Um, but like I said, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to our audience. Now, if anyone does have any questions um, in regards to how to support uh, their loved one, that mum might be able to answer, I do encourage you to reach out and then I can pass those questions on to mum. So, yeah, if anyone does need that extra support, um, we're happy to offer that as well. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, mum. Okay, love you.